What's up, everybody? Welcome to the JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Strigling. I'm going to be your host. Let's get into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today is Monday, June 28th. As all you guys know, my name is Jay Shrigland, and I'm the host. As I mentioned earlier, these next three episodes are going to be solo episodes talking about different things within Major League Baseball. So a little bit different. I'm hoping to go about 10 minutes each episode, keep a little bit shorter, not having those 30, 40-minute episodes. This week, we're going to be talking about Major League Baseball television blackouts, Next week, we'll be talking about Major League Baseball contracts, so I'll be comparing different contracts within baseball right now, predicting a few contracts for this upcoming offseason, and then that third week of solo episodes, and we talk a little bit about player branding in Major League Baseball, and a little bit about the name, image, and likeness rights. Since this is the first solo episode, I was a little unsure how I wanted to format it. I've had quite a bit of interviews in the past, of course. I mean, like I said, this is my first solo episode. So I've been used to interviews, and I wasn't really sure how to format this podcast and get out what I really wanted to say. So I decided, you know what? Let's read through this tweet. Let's investigate it. Let's just talk a little bit about if I believe what this guy's saying, if I don't believe it. So I'll talk a little bit about my opinion on each topic. So let's go ahead and start the podcast by reading what the tweet said, and then I'll dig into the tweet. So here's the tweet. How to fix baseball. Bullet point, universal DH. $200 million salary cap, a $75 million salary floor, fix the Hall of Fame selection system, and fix the All-Star Game selection system, strip the Houston Astros of their 2017 World Series title, lower prices and fill the stadiums, increase minor league baseball salaries, and have umpire accountability. So let's dig into the tweet. I'll talk a little bit about each subject all the way down to the bottom. That'll lead up to a little bit of a few other ideas I have to fix Major League Baseball. And then that'll lead up all the way to television blackouts, how I said I want to talk about today on today's episode. So dig it into the Universal DH. To, to be completely honest, I was never a big fan of the Universal DH until last season. I like to kind of consider myself as an old school guy when it comes to that. Before, I kind of wanted to have the AL switch back to having a pitcher hit, having that batter hit, having that pitcher bat eighth or ninth in the lineup. I think for a while there, I thought that just brought strategy back to the game. Um, I always wanted to keep it fair, though. I think having a DH in the American League always brought an unfair advantage to the National League. With that rule, I mean, in the American League, the teams can have two quality hitters at the same position and not even worry about it. You'll just stick one at DH all the time. It also allows some of your best players to get rest within the season, but still get in those three, four, five at-bats each day. It also gave American League teams an unfair advantage in the World Series, if you ask me. So obviously, the AL would bat a pitcher in the NL ballparks, and NL teams would have a DH in AL ballparks. I mean, of course, yeah, that happens. I mean, that makes it fair for that game specific. However, the National League didn't always have that ninth guy who would DH throughout the season and get that practice. So really much in all those, in the, in all those games, the National League's just throwing out a bench player there to DH. While the AL DH gets about 600 at-bats in a season. So, I mean, it's just more experience throughout the season, which gives the American League a big advantage when it comes to that. Like I said, I was always a big fan of having strategy in the game and having the pitcher bat. But after that shortened season last year when Major League Baseball decided to have a, a DH in both leagues, I just saw that you, I mean, there's more balls put in play. You're not having to worry about bunting with two people on and one out. 
Um, it's just more runs in general, which brings more fun to the game, more fans. I mean, just growing baseball. That's what we're trying to do. So I'm really hoping here in these next few years, Rob Manfred will decide that there needs to be a universal DH. I think it's just best overall for baseball. So moving on to the salary cap and salary floor. I'm going to say I have to agree and disagree on this one. I agree with the salary floor part. However, I think it should be a little bit lower than the $75 million because currently there's actually five teams under that $75 million threshold and one including the second place Rays who were in the World Series last year. I've always been a big believer that the highest paid team isn't always the best. I mean, look at the Dodgers, for example. I mean, I'd, I'd say I think six out of the past 10 years, they were the highest paid team in baseball and finally just won a World Series last year during the shortened season. I mean, even looking further back, throughout the entire 2010 to 2020 decade, only three teams were number one in overall team salary each season. That would be the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, and the, Nash and the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, they only out of those three teams combined, there's only three World Series won throughout the entire decade. So obviously, that, that, just, that just shows you that money doesn't win championships. Of course it helps, but honestly, chemistry is what wins you baseball games. So with that being said, I would say my salary floor, to be completely honest, I would say we, we should try, probably make it $65 million. A salary floor just makes it harder to rebuild, and rebuilding is just a terrible thing for baseball in general. No one wants to go see the Baltimore Orioles lose 116 games. I mean, that's not competitive. You want the best teams playing the best teams. You don't want, you don't want your favorite team throwing out double-A, triple-A guys out there just so they can purposely lose 100 games and you get a top three pick. I mean, that's just terrible for baseball. Like I said, no one wants to watch that. We need to get rid of rebuilding. We need to make sure every team tries to compete each season. That way the World Series winner actually had to go through the 30 best teams with that, with that being said, though, I completely disagree with the salary cap. Absolutely, 100%. No salary cap in Major League Baseball. If you're a team like the New York Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs, etc., spend the money. Yeah, it makes it tougher for the lower-class teams to win, but that's what, that's what Major League Baseball is all about, being the best. Those type of teams, I mean, they're filling their ballpark every game. They're having their own TV networks. They're having, their, they're having different ads. Big-time companies spend money to add put ads out on their games. I mean, there's a, there should be a benefit for that. Go and spend money. Just go spend money freely. Look at look at the New York Yankees, Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, the Los Angeles Dodgers have Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger. I mean, they're not afraid to sign anybody right now. And even with that being said, I mean, like I said, money is not everything in baseball. It's so hard to win Major League Baseball. It's not. It's honestly not even a huge loss if you can't spend like that financially. Tampa Bay Rays, I mean, they went to the World Series last year, and they had like a 50-some million dollar payroll. Not, don't quote me on that exactly, but I mean, just I mean, it's, chemistry is what wins you ball games. No salary cap is needed, but that's why we have a luxury tax in place. That way, we can punish a little the the higher class teams when they spend a little bit over the luxury tax. But moving on from that, let's talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame selection system. I'm not really sure what the guy means here. I mean, this guy is a pretty qualified MLB writer, but I, I, I'm still not 100% sure what he's meaning here by the Hall of Fame selection system. Honestly, I think Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame selection system is probably the best in pro sports. I mean, the NFL, NBA, it's kind of confusing. You'll see guys who retired two years ago um, on the ballot, but you'll also see guys who retired 15 years ago. That's just one thing that I've, I've never really gotten. In my mind, MLB is pretty straightforward. Five years after you retire, you get put on the ballot. If you're, I mean, if you're good enough, uh, it takes you, 
It takes 75% of the votes to get in. If you get less than 5% of the votes, I mean, you're off the ballot for your entire life. I mean, I see that as pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy to follow year to year because you're, um, each player's on the ballot for 10 years. So let's say, let's look at David Ortiz. So this upcoming year, this will be his first year on the MLB Hall of Fame ballot. So that means he retired five years ago. So he has up until 2031 to be on that ballot. He'll be on there for 10 years. And if he doesn't get selected within those 10 years, then he's off the ballot. Again, I don't see that happening because I think David Ortiz will be selected this season or if not next season for the Hall of Fame. But that's just a quick example for you. I do want to say, however, that I'm a big believer that guys like Pete Rose, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens even, I think they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, for those PED guys that I mentioned, almost everyone was using those performance-enhancing drugs back in the 90s. This was just their way of staying in the curb. Of course, I mean, they did it better than most of the players who were using PEDs at the time. But, I mean, taking drugs can't help you hit a baseball. Yeah, it can help you hit it farther, throw it faster. But, you, st- I mean, you still got to use your raw talent to hit that ball, to grip that ball, throw the get that good spin rate on it. And then with Pete Rose, I mean, I don't think I have to even talk about that. I think, honest- honestly, I think everyone agrees that Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Fixing the all-star game selection system, that's another thing I kind of disagree with. Of course, it's not perfect, but what league has a perfect all-star game selection system? I think this year's all- Major League Baseball's all-star game selection system is probably the best so far. So this year, you have a fan vote, of course, like always, to vote for the starters. And then that first fan vote is up until a certain date. And then at that time, the top three players at each position go on to the last, the final round, which is a final vote for the starters. So you get to able to choose between those three guys to start for the game. I think that's pretty cool. It allows fans to get more involved and um, in pretty much any business, any sport. I mean, fan engagement just means more money for that certain industry. That's how I look at it as a, even as a podcast. I mean, just even having uh, – some of your followers just have a small task. I mean, it, it makes them more interested in what they're doing. I mean, I, like I said, I kind of do it here in the podcast. As I end off each podcast, I'll say, oh, make sure to leave a review or give me a recommendation. Follow us on social media. It just, it just makes the fans more engaged and it makes them want to listen more or, even, or follow that certain sport even more. And another thing I, don't, I disagree with with this guy is stripping the Houston Astros of their 2017 World Series title. Obviously, no one believes that 2000 World Series is legitimate, but it happened. All the players celebrated. They got the experience of what it was like to be a cha- being a champion. I mean, you can't take away those memories from these guys and their families and all the fans that got to experience their team win. So what does it really matter taking away a trophy and some name in a history book? I mean, that's, that's not going to do anything to these players. They're not going to care. I've always thought that for championships and awards. The teams already, the teams and the players, the fans, they already experienced what it was like. So, I mean, you're not going to take away that experience, those memories from those people. So it doesn't really mean much at all. Other examples of this could be Ryan Braun's MVP over Matt Kemp back, I believe, 2011 to I can't remember the year, but I mean, a few years after Ryan Braun won MVP over Matt Kemp, everyone came out saying, hey, Ryan Braun was on PEDs at the time. Uh, take it away from him. Give it to Matt Kemp. I mean, Ryan Braun already got got that experience of what it was like being an MVP. I mean, just giving it to Matt Kemp, that's kind of like that's kind of like a slap in the face to Matt Kemp. Yeah, he had a great year that year, but he already didn't win MVP, so giving him MVP at the time, I mean, it I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So, I mean, the Houston Astros, that World Series, it's not legitimate, but just keep it in the history books. 
I mean, everyone's going to know when they look up 2017 World Series. Houston Astros cheated. They're pieces of shit. It doesn't matter. Just go on with your life. Stop worrying about it. Boo them. Throw a few pitches at their heads. I mean, just, it doesn't matter to take, take some words out of a history book. It doesn't matter. Another thing I want to talk about is lowering prices and filling stadiums. So this is obvious. I mean, I look at that as terms of supply and demand. If the fans are willing to pay a certain price, that should be the price. For some teams, it will be more expensive, but for others, it will be less. Like, for example, 2019, the Cubs had an average attendance of 39,500 people, but it cost an average of 106 bucks per person for a day at Wrigley Field. That's the most expensive in Major League Baseball, but people pay, so why would you change that? It's not like where the Pittsburgh Pirates were a day at the ballpark. It's much less, like 60 bucks at most, and their attendance is a little over 18000 Maybe if the Pittsburgh organization would decide on lowering those prices, it might be best for the club. You get more people in the stands. You get more people buying stuff at the concession stand. You get us filling the stadiums and growing this game, which needs to be done. This could be a way for the low-budget teams to grow a bigger fan base and eventually become not such a low-market team and be one of those teams that's able to spend that good money each offseason. Now, minor league baseball salaries. I am a huge believer in this. As all you guys know, I want to be an agent when I get older, so I've studied this. I know, I've studied this quite a bit, honestly, and I'm just a big believer that minor league players should be paid more. The minor league players right now, sometimes they go through some horrendous situations. There's no minor league baseball players union to stand up for the players because if the players stand up for themselves, they're scared that the minor league uh, club parent organization will just release them thinking that they're, oh, they're just going to be issue, an issue for our organization. The, right now, the average player salary is $6,000 for single A, um, $93.50 for double A, and $15,000 for triple A. That's for an entire year. That's just for the regular season. All the spring training, all fall ball, that's no pay at all. All the training that you're doing in the offseason to keep in your best form, that way you compete at the top level, I mean, that's not paid for. How does this not affect the U.S. The US labor laws? It's because of the Save America's Pastime Act, which was uh, came into effect a few years ago, which means Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball didn't have to pay the minimum wage and it, it just gave them, the, it gave them the, the ability to do that. Baseball always stood by how this is the fact of ball players are just chasing their dreams so they should continue not to be paid well. And that's kind of bullshit, if you ask me. With the type of money Major League Baseball makes, the average, the average MLB franchise is worth $1.9 billion, according to Forbes. It should be no problem to pay the minor leaguers just a livable wage. My idea on this has always been, Pay each minor leaguer $30,000. Doesn't matter if they're a top prospect, top five, top five prospect in the game, a guy who is an undrafted free agent, just a set stone amount, $30,000 for each season. I mean, that's, that's a pretty solid amount for each minor leaguer. They don't have to worry about an off-season job, cutting lawns every once in a while, trying to ask family members for money. If you look at the numbers with paying each minor leaguer $30,000, let us say each MLB organization has 125 to 140 minor leaguers. So paying, paying them a flat salary of $30,000 a year, that would result in about $3.7 million to $4.2 million. All just depends on how many players are in the organization. I mean, that's not much coming out of these teams' pockets. That's about the price of what you would pay for a quality middle reliever in the majors. It's a little bit less than the MLB average salary of $4.38 million per year. So I don't see how this is not an option for the greedy owners. I don't see how this hasn't been done yet. Uh, shout out to Garrett Brocious. He's a St. Louis guy. 
Uh, I know he's been fighting for this for a while. I'm really hoping this comes up here really, really soon. These minor leaguers, they go through hell. They spend hours on hours each day just going through the grind. They deserve to get paid way more than what they do. But going on to talk about umpire accountability. I'm not really sure how you can go about this besides using robot umps, which I am completely against. I don't see the umpires right now as much of a problem. Yeah, occasionally an umpire, they'll miss a call. There'll be multiple balls called strikes and strikes called balls throughout each game. But really, there's not much you can do about it. It doesn't affect the game that much. Some ideas could possibly be like suspending an umpire um, if he has so many mistakes for a certain amount of time. Um, another thing could always, um, you could always have like the home plate umpire having a little mic in his head and have someone just tell him ball or strike from the pitch track upstairs. And that's always something you could do. I mean, I think they could probably make it look like it's not anything uh, technological and it could be, uh, the pitch could be called right, right as it's pitched. But that way there's no robot umps and he can still call the plays at home if there's someone going home trying to get thrown out. But I just think the idea of robot umps is so dumb. It'll, it'll ruin – that'll be another thing that could possibly ruin Major League Baseball and baseball in general. A few other things that weren't part of the tweet that I mentioned earlier that I believe could fix baseball. Number one, top of my list, get rid of Robert Manfred. Manfred has not done much since uh, – hasn't done much at all for baseball since becoming commissioner. Players will o- openly speak out against the changes he's made, talk about how they disagree, talk about – I mean, it's not, it's not a good look for baseball at all. I mean, I disagree with a lot of changes he's made actually too. I mean, the extra innings rule, the seven-inning doubleheaders. I mean, like um, there's multiple things. That just off, Those are off the top of my head. Multiple things this guy's done as commissioner that I completely disagree – disagree with i know other people disagree with i think a new commissioner is needed the guy i'm thinking is baseball mastermind theo epstein one thing us cubs fans always like to say when theo was the president of operations for the cubs was it's theo's league let's actually make it theo's league for once i think this is already starting to happen the first step happened this offseason when theo decided to step down as president of the cubs and move into the mlb's front office i think that's a great move for him i think he can learn under some great baseball minds even though of course he's one of the best baseball minds out there but just surrounding himself and possibly putting himself in position to run this game i think that would be best for major league baseball in terms of a lot of ways theo's just a great man and i think he'd do great things for major league baseball Another thing would be to change this foreign substance rule that just came into effect last week. For the people who don't know, spin rate has become a big thing in Major League Baseball these past three, four seasons when you have stat cast. So that's what a lot of pitchers are trying to change to. Uh, Spin rate just really, the higher your spin rate, the more your ball moves as you pitch it. So these pitchers are trying to find ways to do it by using foreign substances. So um, sunscreen and rosin. There's a new thing called spider tech that just came out that some of these pitchers are using. So, of course, Major League Baseball had to do something about it because this year's been an absolute pitcher's year. Hitters are struggling. Pitchers have a way head and toes above advantage above these hitters. So Major League Baseball need to do something about it, but I think they went about it the wrong way. First of all, I just want to say I agree with Blake Snell. His interview after they came out with these new rules, I think it's perfect. I think Major League Baseball definitely needed some new rules, but they should have done it in the offseason and gave some of these pitchers time to prepare for a new routine 
Blake Snell was saying that he went through a practice using using the for, the, the substance that he did to keep a, a better grip on the ball. He went through one practice with it, felt great. I mean, it was his normal routine. And then he did one practice without, and his shoulder was starting to hurt. I think you're going to start seeing this a lot now with this foreign this foreign substance rule. I think you're going to start seeing a lot more injuries um, just because these pitchers are changing their routines. They're changing the way they grip the ball. So it's going to start hurting shoulders, elbows. It just it, it needs change. MLB should have went about it a different way. And another thing about that rule is, I mean, well, just a few nights ago, Max Scherzer got checked three times in the first four innings that to see if he had a foreign substance on. I mean, that's you can't do that. That it's pissing players off. It's pissing fans off. It's hurting the game all in general. Major League Baseball. Hopefully, within these next few weeks, they'll have a new way about going about it. I'm just I'm hoping for that. And one last thing that I think should really really fix Major League Baseball. It's just more individual player marketing. I know I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into this on week three of the solo episodes, but um, lately MLB actually has done a great job with Tatis, Vladdy Jr., Atani, Acuna, a few others come to mind. But I just I love the way Major League Baseball has marketed them lately. It's definitely become they're definitely becoming the face of baseball along with Mike Trout. It's just getting their getting the players' names out there, getting them on TV, having these little four year old kids seeing, oh, number twenty three for the San Diego Padres. I wonder who this guy is. Seeing them on TV. I mean, that's that's what you do to create lifelong fans. But what more I'm talking about is the agents' perspective. I think a lot of these smaller time major league baseball players, I think that if their agents did a little bit more work creating content for their guys, creating marketing deals and partnerships, I think that would be great for major league baseball in general. It would create more income for the players and just more brand recognition. That's that's what they that's what these players need. Like I said, I'll talk a little bit about more a little bit more about this in the branding and MLB and the name, image and likeness episode here coming up in two weeks. So hopefully you guys listen to that. That's one big thing I am huge about uh, as an agent, uh, wanting to be certified in 2024 in Major League Baseball. That's one thing I feel like I can change is the individual player marketing. You can see in the NBA, NFL, a lot of players are going about brands and partnerships, uh, marketing deals. They're doing a lot better job than what's happening in Major League Baseball. So I feel like that's one thing I can change. Um, I'm I'm really hoping to do that, start my company here in a few years. But to get on with that, let's talk a little bit about TV blackouts, the main idea of this episode. I personally think this is MLB's biggest missed opportunity. The MLB TV rights are honestly the oddest out of all major sports. So let me take you, let me take you through what it is to be a Major League Baseball fan here in Indiana. So we're up in northeast Indiana, close to the Fort Wayne area. We are blacked out of all, both Chicago teams, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Detroit Tigers if they are playing a nationally televised game. Why is that? Well, Major League Baseball, they're really, really strict on their, their TV rights. For the most part, you need to buy your team's regional sports package, which a lot of people do. But if you don't, um, you look forward to those games that your team's playing on Fox Sports, MLB Network, those type of TV networks. Well, if your team's playing on there and you live within a certain district, it's blacked out. You don't get to watch. So what do you do to take care of that? You should buy MLB TV, right? That's what you would do for the NBA and NFL. You'd buy their entire league's package. Well, the MLB actually blacks you out of those local games as well on MLB TV, even if you pay the money and buy it. Makes no sense. 
That is completely wrong for baseball to do. They're always talking about marketing their best players to the younger generations, but nobody, nobody can watch their favorite, their favorite local players if they're blacked out all the time. Just makes like they're contradicting themselves all the time. I don't know who to blame for this. It's been a problem for a very long time. Uh, they, they fixed it a little bit back in 2012 when MLB and ESPN agreed to play all their games on ESPN. So if the Cubs play on ESPN nowadays, uh, we're not blacked out. But if they play on MLB Network, Fox Sports, we do get blacked out of those games for some reason. And even on MLB TV, you aren't able to follow. So really, what's the point of buying MLB TV if you can't watch your favorite team? The restrictions get crazy in some states. I mean, in fact, Iowa, who doesn't even have a Major League Baseball team, they have a few single-A and one triple-A team. They're blacked out of six Major League teams. Come on, Rob Manfred. This needs change. So much missed opportunity. You never see an NFL game blacked out, especially if you buy the NFL Red Zone package. I mean, that's why the NFL is the fastest-growing sport in America, because people are able to watch. The same can be said for the NBA for League Pass. If you buy the NBA League Pass, you can watch the Pacers if you live in downtown Indianapolis. Heck, you could be living right next to Baker's Life, State, Baker's Life Fieldhouse and still watch the games even if they're not sold out. That's just the way the League Pass works. I don't see why MLB TV can't be like this. There's a reason baseball has fallen in recent years. It's part, this is part of the reason. I mean, it's just the sport's not – baseball's not as reachable as other sports here in America. But with that being said, that's all I got for this week's special edition solo episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, little, little weird for me just speaking into my microphone just by myself, not having anyone respond to me. So hopefully you guys have some recommendations for me. If you have any ideas for me to change for these next few weeks' episodes, please do. Uh, make sure to give us a follow on our social medias. We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a lot of updates on those. So if you want to follow the podcast and get to know each week's episode, give us a follow on that. Also, give us a five-star review if I'm producing five-star content on Apple Podcast. Follow us on Spotify. Just find, just find a way to keep in contact because the podcast just continues to grow. Let's keep growing it like we're trying to grow Major League Baseball. But make sure to tune in next week as I talk a little about MLB contracts. If you have any ideas on what you want me to talk about about Major League contracts, just hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Text me if you want. But just make sure to tune in, and I hope to see you guys next week.